You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a frigid Thursday. Here on Crunch Time, you're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, producer and co host, is James Mesh. Gonna have to bear with us a little bit. Uh, both James and I feeling a little bit uh, under the weather this time of year. So, uh, you know, if you hear a a cough or, or a sniffle every now and again. You know, it is, it is what it is. It's just that time of the year. James, buddy, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun two hours talking. You know, uh, from UAB to high school football and everything in between. But man, the 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 Saints had some big news yesterday. They did. They uh they were able to sign. Uh, David Johnson, veteran running back who was formerly of the Arizona Cardinals and Houston Texans. I mean, they were trying to get him before the season started, but it just wasn't working out. I don't know if it was contract-wise or just like what the fit would be for him being on the Saints. But now that you do have a pretty sizable hole behind Alvin Kamara, even though it does feel like David has taken a step back, I feel like he could still be serviceable. He could definitely be serviceable. You know, he's still only he's only thirty years old, which I know for a running back that that's obviously getting up there. But you know, he's he's put up numbers throughout his career where you know he he can he shows that he can make an impact. I mean, his first year in Arizona, he rushed for five eighty, and then twenty sixteen was his breakout year, going for twelve hundred and thirty nine and sixteen touchdowns. He's he also had eight hundred and eighty receiving yards that season. Uh, he, he's a good receiving back out of the backfield. He can run the ball with some power. Uh, he's had a full year out of the NFL, so you know maybe he's he's well rested and, and ready to take on the challenges of the NFL. I, I think this could be a, a good spot for the Saints because you know you look at it and that's a spot that they've struggled with this season is the running back spot. You know Alvin Kamara can only do so much and you need you know serviceable people behind him to give him a break and just be a different type of runner than he is and uh you know Mark Ingram's been on and off the injury report and so that's kind of been a struggling point for the Saints and obviously you know we talked about it in the offseason they tried to address it and they made some decisions that they thought would pan out that absolutely did not and uh, now, you know, you're, you're kind of scrambling to make it happen. Yeah, you thought you – because I think Ray and I were pretty convinced that Abram Smith was going to be the number three back in this offense because you gave him a – even though it's not a huge contract, still for an undrafted free agent, the fact that he got a fully guaranteed contract for a third of a million dollars, it felt like, okay, well, you have a lot of trust in him. Right. But That's overall – a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money. But overall, he didn't make the team. He didn't make much of an impact, and now he just got drafted by the XFL. Yep. So David Johnson met with the Saints media yesterday for the first time, and he was asked what drew him to the city of New Orleans. 
the atmosphere, the winning uh, culture, uh, you know, the coaching staff. Like I said, I, I know a couple of players on the team, like Mark, um, you know, and he's, you know, told me nothing but good things about the Saints. And you, I mean, just Louisiana in general is a, a great sports uh, environment, especially playing in that dome. I mean, that's uh, probably one of the loudest places I ever played. And luckily now I don't have to deal with that <laughs> that noise anymore. I mean, it's it's right. It's he's right on. You know, you you look at it. The Superdome has always been a, a tough place to to play. You know, because of the way that the the crowd noise doesn't go anywhere. You know, I've always loved the the sign at the top of the Superdome where the visiting team enters and it says, "Welcome to your last few moments of silence." <laughs> and I mean, it's just it's so true because once you, I mean, it is a. It's a jungle in there, man. It's crazy. But uh, I, again, you know, I'll, I'll ask you, James. David Johnson can can help this offense, right? I think if you actually start committing to the run, it'll be it'll be helpful because, and that's a big if because for some reason in the game plan, they keep mentioning it how they're just not using Taysom Hill like he's just not a part of the game plan. Well, to me. He needs to be, especially if you're going to roll with Andy Dalton. If you're going to roll with Andy Dalton the rest of the way, you need to have three different runners. I agree. Two two doesn't do it anymore because you're you're very injury cautious. There's no denying that. You are very injury cautious. So what if what if Kamara does go down? Now you only where do you go? Now do you now you only have Taysom Hill? Right. Well, you see, and you know, that's an interesting point. People have been asking why Taysom Hill hasn't been used in the offense, and I agree. There's That question needs to be addressed. And I was thinking about it. You know what I think it might be? Do you think it's because if Andy Dalton went down, Dennis Allen would put Taysom Hill at quarterback? And they don't want to get him hurt as a receiver or whatever? Could that be part of it? I think it could be, but if, I mean, he still plays all the special teams roles. Yeah. So... But you see that the the fact that he plays all the special teams roles makes it more weird as to why you're not using him, which is why I'm so confused. That it just because, it doesn't make sense to me. Because it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to be like, okay, well, it's nice and all to spread the ball like the Saints used to do with Drew Brees, where he'd give Marcus love, he'd give Lance Moore love, he'd give Devery Henderson love, right? Like he'd give everybody love. And, and he did that throughout the career. That's why you saw so many times. You yeah, I mean, see Drew this. was Drew was setting records for how many different receivers he was. Like every game, it was yeah. eight, eight, nine, ten, pretty, pretty, very consistently. You'd see the end of the first quarter, and it would. I remember always seeing like the stat on the broadcast, be like, right. Drew Brees is throwing to six or seven different receivers, and we're still two minutes left in the first quarter. Right. It's like I mean, you you need to have versatility, and I get that, but right now. You don't have many options that you can consistently go to because Marquez Calloway doesn't get open a whole bunch, and even if he does, I've noticed he's starting to have a little bit of the dropsies. Yeah. You don't have Deontay Hardy. Nope. He's And even when he was Olave's, playing this year, he wasn't. Olave is your only consistent option. Olave is your only consistent option as a wide receiver, but when it comes to him, he's not even playing the right position that he needs to be. Right. Like, he he's the X where you'll run – some deep routes every once in a while, but he he's consistently being used more for the short intermediate, which he's still getting open on. But 
he's most effective when he's running those deep routes. Right. And the fact that he's not running them as often, and you're going to the Rashid Shaheeds of the world, which that's another thing. Why you're is not Rashid using him right? Why does Rashid Shaheed feel like Joe Morgan? He, he they're not using him correctly. Why is he getting maybe one touch a game? Because it's crazy. Because every time he touches it, weird how it's always a big play. Mm, I'm not always. asking. I'm not asking for ten touches out of him. But to me, get him like four or five. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Like three, four catches and then a, a rush attempt. The game hotline is three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium thirty two point three and channel one thirty three on LUS Fiber. Going back to David Johnson meeting with the media, the former Northern Iowa running back said that he was asked how he can help this team. Obviously, I just running back. Um, hopefully, you know, learn the playbook pretty fast, and that way I can be utilized as a receiver as well. Um, and hopefully I can just come out and do everything right uh, and, you know, uh, help out the offense as much as possible. You know, that that's the thing. You know, you look at it and you, you need a guy that can do both, right? You want a guy that can be a downhill runner, but yet... And still be able to catch the ball. You can also pull him on a swing route and, and hit him out in the flat. And so that's that's important that the, the Saints found that because as his career has gone on, Mark Ingram has become less and less of a receiving back. Correct. They're running him more and more between the tackles. Right. Uh, Field Yates did just tweet that the Saints have signed cornerback Isaac Yadam, and then they released linebacker Kenny Young. But uh, Yadam is going to the practice squad. Isaac Yadam, and they have released Kenny. Who's Kenny Young? I've never even heard that name. Anyways, um. So, yeah, you know, it's important to get a running back like that that can do both. Obviously, he's on the tail end of his career at 30 years old. And, you know, and whenever I would watch, like, Cardinals or Texans, he's not one that would – he's not one that you would kind of throw out to the flat. You know what I mean? He's not one of those guys that runs those types of routes. No, he's he's typically he's, he's not. More, he's more of a in the middle of the field kind of guy. You don't, yeah. you're not going to run a you're not going to run a, a wheel route he, wheel a, route with him. He's a checkdown guy, is what he is. And you know you you look at it, and he's even been used as a as a kick returner before. Yeah. Um, his his first year in Arizona, he was used as a kick returner, and he ran one back 108 yards for a touchdown. So. I mean, maybe the Saints could utilize him there. Probably not, not anymore. Because uh, obviously, you know your your speed decreases as you get older. And you also need to be elusive. Um, and David Johnson isn't necessarily one of those elusive backs. It's six one two twenty four. Right. He's but, a, he's a little bit of a heftier back where you're you're looking to churn extra yards, go north south. But I do think at this point of the season that it is a big help for the Saints to get a guy like this, um, just just to add some some depth to the uh, to the lineup. But looking ahead for today's show, like I said at four thirty, we're going to give you a preview of the UAB Blazers. Evan Dudley of AL.com will join us. He is the UAB beat writer for Alabama.com. He will join us to discuss the Blazers at 5 o'clock. Hunter Bauer, the founder of GoPreps.com, he'll join us for a conversation about the LHSAA high school football playoffs. And in in the second hour, James and I will play a game we like to call Cap or No Cap. 
So if you're unfamiliar, it is cap is a, is a term that the younger generation uses. Uh, basically means it's a lie. So, you know, cap or no cap, you, you can put two and two together and figure it out. Uh, so we're going to have fun with that. Once again, 337-706-0111. We're also going to touch on tonight's Thursday night football game in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field between the Packers and the Titans. James, speaking do, of, do you have a magical parlay put together? Speaking of Thursday night football, you can start off NFL Week 11 right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. I'm going to take an Aaron Jones anytime touchdown, the under on Aaron Rodgers' passing yards, and then a Derrick Henry anytime touchdown. Build your own or choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Three-plus leg minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is now a drawable free vest that expires seven days after the receipt. Max free bet is $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandall.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. We'll take a timeout. And when we return, Michael Desermo met with the media ahead of their matchup with the Florida State Seminoles. We'll hear from him next and much more right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lau Lovett and his acoustic group are coming to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February the 24th, and you won't want to miss this incredible night of live music. Pre-sale tickets go on sale today. Head to www.ticketmaster.com and use the pre-sale code Lyle, L-Y-L-E. Once again, pre-sale tickets today to see Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group at the Hyman Performing Arts Center in February. Visit www.ticketmaster.com and use the pre-sale code LYLE. All right, James, last night the MLB handed out their Cy Young Awards and both AL and NL races were won in a landslide. Sandy Alcantara from, from the Mariners, from the Mariners, from the Marlins, excuse me, won the NL race. It keeps happening. It keeps happening. While Justin Verlander picked up his third AL Cy Young Award unanimously, might I add. Both races were unanimous. Um, I mean, 39 years old, a year removed from Tommy John surgery, World Series champ, and now you can add unanimous Cy Young. I mean, what a year that Justin Verlander has had. Now the question is, and and, and it kind of it, it was kind of weird to put this word or or refer to him this way in the blog post that I wrote last night on our website about him winning the Cy Young Award. 
I'd say the former Astro. Because technically he opted out of his deal and he's technically a free agent. Correct. Mundo Muchacho. So I had to refer to him as the former Astro. Does he return to Houston is the million dollar, or, or should we say about $130 million question. Anyways, Michael Desermo met with the media last night, released the depth chart for Saturday's contest with Florida State, and here is his opening statement. All right, so yeah, you know, another week, um, you know, getting ready for a big one this week, obviously. Uh, opportunity to go get our sixth win of the year, um, bowl eligibility, you know, so that's something that, you know, every team plays for, right? You want an opportunity to earn one and get in the postseason, and that's all we've been talking about, and that's, uh, you know, that's what's ahead of us right here. So um, that's been our focus this week, working really hard to get ourselves in position to go out there, go play well, go earn the sixth win, and, uh, and earn an extra game for this team. You know, you, you look back at the, the history of the Cajuns against Power 5 programs, and you just look at the ones most recently. I mean, Iowa State in, in 2020, you go up to Ames and get a big win there, a groundbreaking win for this program. And then, you know, you go back to 2012 when they traveled to Gainesville, Florida to play Florida, and you had the game won until a blocked punt lost you the game. A blocked punt returned for a touchdown with less than a minute left in the game, sealed it for Florida. I remember that game very oh, vividly. Oh, dude. I, so it, it's funny. I had plans that day, and my dad was like, you're really not going to watch the Cajuns game? And I was like, Dad, they're playing Florida. Like, they're going to get murdered. It's like, no, no, I'm not watching that. And so I'm out with friends doing, you know, whatever. I was in high school at the time, so, you know, doing what high schoolers do. And I check my phone to see what the score was, and UL's up seven, like, in the third quarter. And I was like, wait a second. There's no way. And so I, like, ran to a TV to watch the rest of the game, and I just remember getting my heart broken. I was so devastated. I think my heart sank almost as much as it did when I saw the Minneapolis miracle. Oof. Because oh, yeah. I, I was like, just, yep. I was like, they're, just, you can tell they're just sending all the pressure. Just have like four guys or five guys instead of three. Right. But no. Yep. No, just going to regular punt formation. So, you know, looking at that and looking at, you know, the Iowa State game, again, special teams was such a big part of that win, too. Michael Desimo put it plainly yesterday, special teams can be a difference maker in games like this one. You know, so what we talked about as a team this week is, you know, when, when the opportunity arises, it's too late to prepare, right? That's a quote, well-known quote. Um, you have to expect to get an opportunity to go out there and change the game. You've got to expect something to happen, and you've got to realize what it is and seize the moment when it happens. And um, you don't know what it's going to be. Is it special teams? Is it offense? Is it defense? You don't know where the opportunity comes from. But special teams, I mean, that a lot of times that's, a, that's an equalizer a little bit. You know, you got the whole field, right? It's, it's space. It's good players on good players. Um, and for us, we have played a lot better on special teams. You know, we've had a good year for the most part. Um, but recently, we've played really well. Uh, they've got good teams. You know, they've got great team speed. They've got great length. They've got good specialists. Um, you know, I mean, as you'd expect over there, you know, with a team that's really good. So special teams, we got to go play really well. Michael Desermo also said that his team needs to embrace the opportunity 
that games like this one can bring. You only get 12 games that are guaranteed to you. You know, and, and that's 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 the thing is that, you know, that this football thing is a little different than everything else because you work year-round. I mean, it starts the day that it ends. And you work year-round. And if you can't be excited about going play 12 football games, it doesn't matter who you play. You know, I mean, whether it's it's Southeastern the first game of the year or it's Florida State Week 11, you know, you got to be excited to go play these games. And um, our kids embrace the opportunity to go do it. You know, it's a, it's a great environment. It's a great football team. They're playing really well. It's an opportunity for us. You know, we're trying to get our sixth win, and this is the next game that we've got. So, yeah, I mean, we're – I mean, these, these games are fun to go play. You, you know, you get to go out there, you get to go cut loose. Um, you know, you get to go see what kind of team you got. You know, you're playing a really good football team. You better show up. You better play well. You better prepare well. And, uh, you know, you go out there and go try to get a win. And that's that's what we do every week. So it's it's regardless of the logo or conference or anything like that. That's the way you approach it. That's the way you treat it. Um, you know, and our kids, I mean, they know the kind of team that we can be when we put it all together, and we're going to go try to put it together this week. Louisiana will travel to Tallahassee, Florida, to take on the Seminoles of Florida State in an 11 a.m. contest on Saturday. The Cajuns are currently 24-point underdogs in that one. Now, you know, you talk about that, and we, we talked about, you know, James, do, do you take the points? Do you, do you take the Cajuns to cover? I do. They keep it within 24? I think so. I think they can keep it within three touchdowns. Because you've seen this before. Like you said, you've mentioned we were talking about it in the beginning. They almost beat Florida. They've beaten Iowa State. To me, and, and going back even before then. Before my time, beating Texas, like, Texas A and M, Texas A and M, yeah, yeah. Like to me, I you, mean, you you can't roll over and just give up after giving up two touchdowns. To me, you have to fight because, like Coach was saying, I mean, you go out there to play the game, and this that raging Cajuns team, they know what they can do whenever they put it all together. So I'm not gonna say. You know, sit here and and just you know roll over and oh okay you know it is what it is let's all go home. But at the same time, you got to look at a big picture. You got two games left. You got to win one of them to be bowl eligible. Which one are you more likely to win, Florida State or Texas State? Well, of course, Texas State. And that's kind of my thing. I'm not saying you but know, then, but then you're putting all your chips in the table on the final week of the season. When you never know, you could have you could have beat Florida State. I mean, I and and I I, I get that. I and I agree and, and with I, that. And I get why there's such caution with the Seminoles because initially at the middle of the season, they were struggling, but now they're on a three game win streak of absolutely trouncing their last three opponents, including the Syracuse Orange, who to begin the first they half season they were Syracuse. they were on an absolute tear, and they just made them look silly. So I get why. You would have the cause for concern, but to me, you can't necessarily put all your eggs into one basket just yet. So you, you put it when you have to, but the fact that you're vol- almost volunteering for all to you put it there for all you betting aficionados, uh, the the money the spread on a certain sports book is now up to twenty four and a half, which I don't know if that really if that half really changes things for some people. Uh, but uh, the Cajuns' money line 
Because it was a regular 24, huh? Correct. Well, with it being a regular 24, if if Florida State does end up winning by exactly 24, then it gets voided. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's so true. whenever you see the half, you do feel a little more enticed, especially with it going in Florida State's side. So that way you're like, okay, well, now if they do lose by 24, you still technically win instead of it getting voided. That's true. That's true. Uh, the Cajuns on the money line, though. Uh, a clean plus 1,200. For the Cajuns money line, throw a dollar on there. Florida State minus three thousand. So, I mean, look, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, you know, what 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 I'm looking at. And the over under is fifty one and a half in good old Tallahassee, Florida. Um, they're a well coached team, man. I I like Mike Norvell, and you know everybody after those first couple of years, they're like, oh, Mike Norvell's going to get fired and. You know, obviously, in today's college football, you get three years, and so you kind of thought that this year, if things didn't change, they would they would look to move on. And man, he heard that and said, "Okay, I got you," because they are now a top twenty team in America. I mean, they've just had a incredible year over there in Central Florida at Florida State. But again, you know, twenty four and a half. Is something that it's an interesting number. Uh, it's a number that that a lot of people are going to bite at. Um, hell, I mean, the more that I, the more that I talk about it, the more that I think about it, it's a number that I might bite at. So, Darren Francis said the best part of the team is the defense. I don't think the Cajuns allow twenty four points. Uh, I would I would love to believe that. I believe they give up thirty one plus. I would I would love <laughs> to I would love to believe that. I really really would. This offense, Florida, that Florida State offense is the likelihood. I, I think they put up thirty one I mean, in that dude, one. Dude, they have a they have a six foot seven receiver. <laughs> I mean, they've got a six foot seven receiver. <laughs> As. I, I, again, I would love to say that the defense just has a field day and keeps it low scoring, and maybe they do. And maybe if that's the case, then that's great. I'm all for it. I mean, and everybody, everybody know, that knows me knows that I'm a Cajuns guy. I'm all for it. Realistically, though, I don't see how you hold Florida State to 24 points. I, I just don't see it. Um, but again, we'll, we'll see what happens there. The Cajuns play Saturday morning. At 11 a.m., guys, got to tell you about a place called Suit Up. They've got fashion tuxedos, suits for all occasions, wedding party specials, and much more. Professional service. They're going to measure you every time you walk in to make sure that you feel important and it's a perfect fit. And best of all, there's three locations in southwest Louisiana to serve you. There's one in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey. There's one in New Iberia and now open in Lake Charles across from the Prion Lake Mall. So again, tuxedos, suits, blazers, dress shirts, ties, accessories, whatever you need, and even Southern Marsh apparel, Suit Up has it for you. And when you go, tell them the crunch time sent you. We'll take a time out. When we return, Evan Dudley of AL.com joins us for a conversation about the UAB Blazers before they head to Death Valley on Saturday night. You are listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 437 here on a Thursday. It's time to talk about the Blazers of UAB. Evan Dudley of AL.com joins us. Evan, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Absolutely. Uh, pleasure to be here. Doing well. So let's talk about the Blazers. You know, 5-5 five and five so far on the year. Big wins over Conference USA opponents, but, you know, on, on a skid lately. Losing three of their last five. Walk us through the season thus far. Uh, well, it, you know, the record really doesn't reflect what this team really is. Uh, they've went through a lot of self-inflicted uh, mistakes early in the season. Uh, all five of their losses come in one-possession games. A uh, total of 27 points uh, essentially se- separates them from a perfect record. So, you know, a, l- a lot of turnovers early in the season, uh, you know, just bad bounces of the ball kind of, uh, you know, allowed this season to happen like it did. But uh, one thing that, well, I've been able to see from this team is that it's been able to stick together. Uh, you know, even throughout a three-game skid, they were able to come back against uh, uh, the CUSA uh, second-place team, North Texas, and, uh, you know, beat them by 20 points at home. So, you know, this is a team that's experienced that can – uh you know, win games, it's just uh, comes down to them uh, not making silly mistakes, which is, you know, kind of the cause of uh, their woes this season. Talk about the hill that this team had to climb, you know, before the season even started with, with Bill Clark having to suddenly retire due to health reasons. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of noticed something uh, back in spring practice. Bill went in that practice one day. He had a, a doctor's appointment about his back. Uh, you know, this is something that kind of really stemmed from his high school days. He uh, had an injury when, uh, in the weight room when he was in high school. Uh, had a dissectomy in the last uh, in the late nineties to kind of uh, alleviate some of the pain, but it just got about too much to where he could, uh, you know, barely stand, uh, you know, for only a few minutes at a time, and uh, eventually it just came down that he's going to have a spinal fusion. Uh, surgery on some vertebrae so you know it came down to the recovery was going to take too long and uh you know he really wouldn't be able to focus on leading a college football program while trying to go through this so you know rather than just step aside for a year or two he went ahead and decided just to you know make it a retirement and, uh, and you know he's not really searching for jobs right now he's kind of just uh you know staying put supporting uab supporting the uh the initiatives that he kind of started while he was the head coach there now going to the team as a whole you know at quarterback Dylan Hopkins is having a a decent season under center. Obviously, you know you're going to focus on the the ground game when you have a guy like Dwayne McBride, and we'll get to McBride in a second. Uh, but talk to me about Hopkins. You know, you're, you're the quarterback, and talk about the year he's had under center. Uh, he has had a pretty decent year. He did. Um, he missed about two and a half games. Uh, he had a concussion uh, early in the second quarter of uh, against Western Kentucky on a Friday night. He missed the next two games. Uh, there was hope they'd be able to get him back for the UTSA game, but he was never able to make it out to practice. And uh, it was more about just kind of making sure he got healthy enough to where there was no hesitation, because uh, he's a guy who does use his legs at times and uh, can make and can make plays with his legs uh, as well as his arm. So you know, he, he's a guy who's very efficient as well he doesn't take a lot of chances he's gonna uh take what the defense gives him uh unfortunately this week uh won't be a lot that the defense gives him uh with lsu but uh you know he's a guy that's uh smart he's a you know he's kind of a warrior he'll go through the you know the the pains of uh you know trying to make a play for his team but uh you know if he can uh 
you know, kind of keep mistakes to a minimum, uh, don't turn the ball over, then, uh, you know, I think he can have a, uh, you know, a pretty successful day, uh, you know, relative to what they're able to accomplish against LSU. Dwayne McBride having, you know, just a standout year, one of the top running backs in America, 1,400 yards on the ground so far this year. Just talk about him and, and the way that he's able to, you know, get to the second level of, of a lot of defenses that you guys have faced so far. Uh, he's just a guy that refuses to be tackled by one guy, you know, as simple as you can put it. You know, that's the way he explains it. Uh, you know, he's very much in the mold of Marshawn Lynch. You know, I think uh, he said the other day, uh, you know, he loves running through people's faces. Uh, so, you know, he's he's kind of a guy who doesn't like to be tackled. He's going to run through you. He's going to run around you. Uh, he's spun around people. He's flipped over people. You know, he's done about everything he can to not be tackled. And uh, with that kind of will and mentality, it's kind of, you know, being able to allow him to get to that second level as well as a uh, uh an offensive line built on uh you know pretty large mississippi juco guys who are you know kind of used to that type of uh, style of play of just road grading down the field and so that kind of allows him to get into those second level and if he gets into a one-on-one matchup odds are uh you know he's going to pass that one-on-one matchup of course now he'll have some difficult ones this week obviously you look at you know harold perkins and baskersville you know two guys who you know are just menaces there uh you know in in that between uh area between the person second levels but you know he's a guy that can uh you know really take uh you know the life out of a defense if he gets going looking at the defense now for uab you guys have been impressive as as a group you know only averaging only giving up about 21 points per game to your opponents kind of talk about how that could be you know a, a benefit to the blazers this saturday night in baton rouge yeah, uh, they had to replace a lot of guys on their defensive line. Uh, you know, they lost about three or four seniors from last year, but uh, the guys they've had come in have played. Uh, but they've just had to kind of take a new roles this year in starting. And uh, they performed pretty well as far as their rushing defense, but their uh, their strength comes from their linebackers and their passing defense. Uh, they're one of the top passing defenses uh, in the nation. They have not allowed a 300-yard passer this uh, season. Uh, the most they've allowed is by Frank Harris, uh, who's – very much in the mode of Jaden Daniels, so you know that would be concerned for them on the defensive side. Uh, but you know they're they're a team that limits uh, opportunities for opposing teams. Uh, they're going to try to force you into mistakes. They're going to be aggressive, uh, come at the quarterback, and try to affect him and make him make mistakes that uh, you know allow them to take control of the game. Chatting with Evan Dudley of Alabama dot com. Evan, you know, having lost three of the last five, like we mentioned earlier, how does this team find a way to finish twenty twenty two off strong? Uh, well, they need to win one of these last two games to maintain bowl eligibility. Uh, the better chance would come next week uh, at La Tech, uh, you know, in the north part of the state. So, you know, uh, back-to-back road trips to Louisiana, uh, it's not too bad. But, you know, LSU is, uh, you know, it's, it's a different creature, obviously. Uh, you know, one of the best teams in the nation right now, ranked number six, uh, seven, just depending on who you look at. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a team that's kind of really come together. Along with UAB, though, uh, you know, despite their record, they've stayed together. Uh, you see, you know, where teams might hit a three-game skid, and that might continue on. You know, they could have, uh, you know, just, you know, let things go uh, and uh, play out the season as it was. But they've continued to fight. Uh, you see that in their game against North Texas last week. Uh, the second team in the CUSA rankings uh, beat them by 20 points at home. So, you know, this is a team that had aspirations for a conference title, and it was just, uh, you know, bad bounces of the ball, self-inflicted mistakes that really kept them achieving their potential this year. Give me some X factors for UAB and then some keys to victory for this team. 
Uh, obviously, you got to look at Dwayne McBride. Uh, you know, he's got to be able to get in there and uh, you know find success early on. If he's able to find success, uh, he can really drain a defense of uh, you know their their motivation to tackle because uh, he is so hard to tackle. But you know, along with that offense, you're going to have to look at Trey Shropshire and uh, Tajon Palmer on the outside. Two guys who have really uh, stepped up here as of late uh, for both Jacob Zeno, their backup, and Dylan Hopkins after he returned last uh, last week. Uh, but you also look at some. Mario Rudolph, uh, he's a guy in the slot uh, that's been able to, you know, find some open seams downfield. It just, uh, you know, it comes down to if Hopkins can have enough time to find him on some of those developing routes. Uh, defensively, you got to look at Noah Wilder. Uh, you know, he leads the team in tackles. Uh, he's third on their all-time tackles list. He's just a guy that's uh, been there for three years in this system, knows it in and out. And then you also look at Tyler Taylor, former LSU uh, player, uh, you know, left uh, after 2017. Uh, a couple years, uh, junior college, then comes to UAB. He's having a great season as well. He's second on the team of tackles. And then that secondary, you got to look at Starling Thomas. He's one of their better cornerbacks, as well as Grayson Cash and Will Bowler. And lastly, you know, five and five, like we talked about, having a first-year head coach this season. What's the biggest need this offseason for this program in order to have a, a, a better year in 2023? Uh, well, I think it just comes down to, you know, learning from their mistakes, uh, you know, being more focused. Because, like I said, uh, you know, the the cause of this five and five record is not so much the character or the talent of this team, but it's more so just the self inflicted mistakes and not being able to overcome them at times. And uh, you know, when you get into the quicksand, it is hard time to it is hard to climb out at times. But I think uh, just them being able to stick together, like I said, getting that win over North Texas was really big. It was able to put them in a position to finish out with bowl eligibility if they get one of these last two wins. So I think that's just, uh, you know, really, you know, builds upon this team after uh, having so much success these past few years. Now, of course, in a couple weeks, we'll know if Bryant Vincent gets the interim tag taken off. But, uh, you know, that's something that we'll know in the next couple of weeks. And if, uh, you know, he does not and they go a different direction, and then we'll kind of really see what UAB will need to do to build upon uh, the success they've had these past few years under Clark. Evan Dudley of AL.com joining us with a conversation of the UAB Blazers. Evan, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again. Same to you. My pleasure. And there he goes, Evan Dudley, on a conversation for the UAB Blazers. The Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers are both in need of a win, and the two teams will square off tonight on Thursday Night Football. Pre-game begins at 7 o'clock, and kickoff is set for 7.15. That's Titans versus Packers, and you can hear it all right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We will take a timeout, wrap up our number one. On the other side, you're listening to the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And you're home for the SEC West champion, LSU Tigers, and the world champion, Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 451 on this Thursday afternoon. Now, we were talking about a little bit of Saints in the to open the show uh let's continue for a little second because i did find an interesting statistic on andy dalton and primetime games the red rifle he is six and 20 in his career at night 
He's got a career record in primetime games of 6-20. and 20. He's lost seven consecutive primetime games in a row after losing to the Ravens last Monday night and has not won a Monday night football game since 2014. <laughs> He's yeah. the Saints version of Kirk Cousins. Actually, I think I'd, I'd rather Kirk Cousins. I mean, I would too, because at least during the 12 o'clock games, you would still have Which a good Which the Saints play way more of. Exactly. They don't really get any more primetime games anymore. Not, no. that, they, not that they deserve them. Right. That, that's, right now. that's the thing, because they suck. Um, You want to know another interesting thing? God, you're just going to break my heart. Go ahead. Well, no, this one isn't a stat. This okay. Is, this is just more of like something to look out for, but... Looking at the Miami Dolphins, have you noticed anything interesting about their stadium? Other than the fact that it looks super expensive? No. It it, it does look very expensive, correct. Uh, Gold Star Miguez. But I mean? really what you look at is, if you look at the sidelines, the, uh, the Dolphins stadium is almost always open because it's, it's usually sunny over there mm-hmm. and they tend to play 12 o'clock games if not 3 30 but you look at it if you notice where the sunlight is it's always in the opponent's sideline and you also look at what the dolphins usually are wearing it's it's kind of like the same thing with the dallas cowboys they wear the white unis it's a, it's an it's an interesting strap because that is interesting. you you put the sun in their eyes and you make them wear the darker jerseys because if you know any little bit of science, the darker colors absorb light and heat a lot better than lighter colors like yellow and white and like cream color like beige. But it's it's interesting because that's one hell of a home field advantage that not so many people have noticed. It is. That that's a very odd thing, but it, I mean it makes sense when you when you break it down that way. Um, Which may explain why so many teams struggle when they go to Miami. While we were talking about the Andy Dalton thing, it gave me the liberty to go look up a little background on the rivalry because, you know, you ask old-time Saints fans, it is a rivalry, between the Saints and the Rams. Yeah, when they were with the NFC West. So this meeting will be the 75th between the two teams with the Rams holding a 42-33 to edge while the two teams have split two playoff contests. Now, this is this is where it gets... Actually, I'm sorry. This is going to be the 76th meeting. Um, so here's, here's some interesting statistics. 41 of the games have been decided by double digits. 10 have been decided by 21 or more. 33 games have been decided by 8 points or less. The largest margin of victory for both teams, 31 points. So they've in the last meeting, of course, was in 2019 in L.A. when Drew Brees broke his thumb. He hit it on Aaron Donald's. Yeah, Aaron Donald's helmet, helmet. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then when you you look at the the league, you, I I figured out why the over under in this game is so low. I figured it out. You're you're now figuring it. Oh yeah. So Saints are 11th in scoring in the league. Uh-huh. In av- per game. Yeah. At 22.2. The Rams try second to last. Mm-hmm. They only score 16 points a game. They've really struggled to score. 
The lone touchdown they had against the Bucks was that 75-yarder to Cooper Cup because it was a blown coverage. And, you know... And now that you don't have Cooper Cup, it makes things interesting because we haven't seen Matthew Stafford since he went to L.A. without a stud receiver. Do you want to tell me how, according to NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints have the 11th best total defense in the league? There's no shot. There's no shot that that's accurate. 11th best in the league? Defense, if the Saints defense is 11th best in the league, then the NFL is having a terrible year defensively. The defense themselves have only given up 30 or more twice so far. Because you look at the Arizona games. Well, right. Scoring, yeah. I'm talking about yardage per game, total defense. They are 11th in the league at 326.44 per game. I'm pretty sure that Raiders game really helped them. And, they, and, then, and it's not it's not like they play terribly against the Ravens-wise when you look at the yardage because they have the Lamar ninth, only threw for 130. They have the ninth best passing defense in the NFL. Falcons didn't light it up throwing the ball, neither did the Bucks, neither did the Panthers. But the stat that really disappoints me is turnover margin. Oh, yeah. You it's, are it's dead terrible. last in the league. Minus 12 is your turnover margin. Yeah, because you've only created, like, what, four takeaways? Something like that, yeah. That's you've got that hasn't been a lot. You only got the two interceptions, and I think you have two fumbles. Well, I mean, the Rams aren't much better. They're at minus seven. But, I mean... God, minus 12, dead last in the league. That's brutal. Hour number one. It's just about in the books. Hour number two, we're going to start it with Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com talking high school football playoffs, and then James and I will play cap or no cap at 520. You are listening to Crunch Time here on The Game. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Hunter Bauer comes up after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two here on a Thursday afternoon. You're listening to Crunch Time here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. In hour number one, we touched on David Johnson signing to the Saints. We talked with Evan Dudley for a conversation about UAB. And here in hour number two, we are going to talk high school football as well as college basketball and much more. But let's kick it off with a conversation about the LHSAA high school football playoffs with our guy Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com. Hunter, how are you, sir? Thank you for taking the time. Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me on this evening. So, you know, you, you get to this point in the season and there's always big matchups and, and it always seems to kick off really in the second round. Uh, just, you know, what from your perspective, having covered high school football all season long and, you know, year in and year out, how exciting is it to get to this point of the season? Well, I think it's extra exciting this year um, with, with the new playoff format. Um People got a taste of you know what it'll what it'll behold uh, the rest of the, the postseason uh, last week with some uh, with some matchups that 
you know, you, you don't normally get to see or haven't seen in the last 10 years uh, post-split. Um, but, you know, honestly, you know, with the, with the matchups that you have in this regional round, uh, as a high school football fan in general, I don't see how you couldn't be excited um, you know, uh, Max Preps came out with a um, with a graphic yesterday about some of the toughest brackets in in America, and that uh, you know the Division One Select bracket is uh, among that top ten. Uh, just goes to show you, I think that competition is getting back to where it used to be before the split. Um, uh, uh, you know, you have more of a level playing field now, uh, and you're going to get some competitive games, not just in this regional round, but throughout the postseason uh, into the Superdome uh, later in December. So let's let's go through some of these big second round matchups, especially in our local area, that uh, fans need to look out for. Let's start with one that's always interesting, and it coincidentally, it was Karen Crow's last game of the season almost three weeks ago. Uh, Acadiana and Karen Crow met, and Acadiana ended up winning by one point, twenty two to twenty one. Now they meet again in the second round of the playoffs. Talk about this matchup, and in your opinion, who comes out on top? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a matchup that definitely deserves a uh, quarterfinal or semifinal uh, round uh, between these two. But you know, um, you know, Karen Crow dropping that that you know their regular last game, last regular game of the season uh, to Acadiana by one point. That just goes to show you uh, how strong Karen Crow is. Uh, they kind of um, uh, uh, they kind of struggled after their state championship year in 2020, and, and now that. Uh, you know, now they're back in the mix, and especially in this competitive D1 bracket. Um, Acadiana, you know, they, they struggled uh, over the last couple weeks, but it was to good teams, John Curtis and Southside, who each in their own right uh, I think are going to have a, uh, a, a, a good postseason and may end up in the state finals uh, before it's all over. But, uh, you know, with Karen Crow having almost three weeks of uh, off time, uh, you got to think that that might throw them out of the loop a bit. Uh, Acadiana is just always on. Uh, they've always got their best game going into the postseason. Not to take anything away from Karen Crow, but this is Acadiana's uh, best time of the year. Uh, I think what Karen Crow has going for it is that uh, it's at their place. So um, it's going to be a close one, uh, but I think Acadiana is going to uh, is going to prevail in this matchup. I just can't see them. Uh, I think they're on a mission, especially in this new bracket and uh, I don't think they're going to be stopped. But it'll be a close game either way. And then, you know, one in one of the select brackets is STM and, and Helen Cox. Helen Cox has always had a, a pretty solid, you know, football program. The the Cougars, it's, it's going to be a matchup of, of Cougars tomorrow night, you know, with Helen Cox and STM. Talk about this matchup and, and can STM, who going into the season, teams, a lot of people thought that STM might take a step back. But uh, they've they've definitely been rolling here uh, here lately in 2022. Hey, look, going into the season, I thought STM was going to take a step back, especially you know uh, with what they lost on offense. But uh, with quarterback Sam Altman, you know, stepping up, and uh, you got receivers like Christian McNeese out there that are are, are stepping up their game as well. Uh, it, it seems like St. Thomas Moore hasn't missed a beat, and I don't think they're going to miss a beat uh, tomorrow night as well. Uh, Helen Cox, you know, was able to get a 24-21 win over St. Michael in the first round. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be any match uh, as far as uh, talent for St. Thomas More. And I think St. Thomas More is one of those teams that has a favorable road, at least into the semifinals, um, where they could potentially maybe meet up with a uh, John F. Kennedy or a Evangel or Edie White. 
um, they still would have to face a, a, a Madison prep squad that I think is going to win over St. Louis tomorrow night. Um, but definitely a uh, this could be St. Thomas More's year to, to get back and, uh, and and get it going again and win another title uh, for, for Jim Hightower. Another matchup that's interesting is Southside and North Shore. Uh, I'm going to be on the broadcast call for that one tomorrow night for the Southside Sharks. You know, you look at it, and, and Southside sitting at the four seed, they are now they have now reached the farthest point that they have ever made in the LHSAA playoffs, and they haven't played a, a playoff game yet in 2022. Uh, just kind of talk about the the regular season that the Sharks have had, and then looking at this matchup again against a really good and always talented North Shore team. Uh, can Josh Fontenot and the Sharks keep it rolling? I definitely think they can. You know, uh, again, the the, uh, the the bye week. Uh, I, I don't think any coach likes a bye week other than you know getting his players healed up. Um, you know, can can Southside keep that momentum going in this game? And hey, look, North Shore. I mean, they're a really talented team. Uh, three losses on the year, but it was to some uh, to some competitive teams, especially in district play. Uh, but you know, North Shore has some pretty good wins as well against a good Dutchtown team who's still in the playoffs, and a lot of good teams that are still in the playoffs at this point. Um, you know, being an eight and two slide in the last week of the uh, regular season. So, uh, you know, Southside's one of those teams that just snuck up and surprised everybody. Uh, you know, they're only lost being to, to Notre Dame at the beginning of the year, which, you know, at this point, I, I feel like you have to kind of discount a little bit just because that first game is, you know, getting everything uh, solved, but not taking anything away from Notre Dame. They're, they're really talented as well. Um, but I think Southside, uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup. If they can get past North Shore and, and face off against Zachary and West Monroe, we're going to really see, uh, you know, what they're made of and, and uh, can they really keep it going. But um, definitely a, a competitive game tomorrow night with North Shore. I think it'll be a, a good second-round matchup in that Division One non-slight bracket. Chatting with Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com, Terlings is another team that has, has really, you know, jumped onto the scene this year. Uh, you know, looking at them, they've got a matchup with George Washington Carver tomorrow night. Again, that's another New Orleans area program that is always talented. Uh, the the Rebels uh, again, kind of kind of surprised a couple of people this season. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, Terling's just was going out and and and, and beating uh, teams that everybody was like, ah, I think they're going to lose that matchup, and they and they didn't. I mean, they they performed really well. Uh, I think they you know by the the time they got towards the end of their, uh, their their district schedule, I mean, my gosh, they were just worn out. They had played, uh, you know, uh, uh, Westgate, uh, Lafayette Christian, and then by the time they got to St. Thomas More, I'm sure they were just worn out with that, that hectic district schedule. Uh, but set aside from that, you know, I think they're uh, I think they're going to be okay. They're still rolling. They had a uh, they have a, a tough look. And I was telling people this the other night. When you get into these playoffs, when you get a, a game with a George Washington Carver or even a you know McDonald 35, those type schools out in New Orleans, uh, you're going to get uh, some of the best athletes uh, around the state. Um, they just these programs produce really good athletes. Uh, they know how to make playoff runs, especially um, if they uh, uh, played a really good schedule as most of these schools do. Um, so this won't be an easy game for Turlings. Uh, you know, this won't be a hey. Let's look ahead and, and see. You know what Art, uh, what uh, Archbishop Shaw or Livingston has to offer. Uh, they're going to their sole focus is going to have to be on Carver tomorrow night, or uh, they're going to be heading home with the loss. Um, but Turlings Catholic definitely does have the tools uh, to keep it going. Um, they're just going to have to keep focused. 
You touched on Notre Dame a second ago being the the only loss that Southside has this year. Talk about the Pios and their matchup with a school that, that you're pretty familiar with over there in Lake Chuck with Lake Charles College Prep. Yeah, this is a, a game I'm, I'm actually really interested in. Um, you know, Lake Charles Prep was another one of the schools everybody had written off, and I told them, I said, you know, once they get in the playoffs, um, you're going to have to look at them, man, and look at them as a serious uh, uh, threat or a serious competition. And look what they did. They go in as a 19 seed in the first round and, and upset Catholic of New Iberia. Um, now they have a, uh, a, a team that knows how to win state championships, a team that they haven't faced since 2018. Uh, I think they were in the same district with each other for two years. Uh, Notre Dame ended up getting two wins over the Trailblazers. Um, but, you know, Notre Dame had, had struggled a little bit themselves during the middle of the season with losses to Cecilia and, and Charles Catholic. Definitely, you know, good teams. Um, but very rare losses for, for a Louis Cook team. Um, I don't know. This is going to be an interesting matchup. I don't know what, you know, Lake Charles Prep has, has struggled in its own right. Uh, but again, once you get in the playoffs, I think it's a different team. Uh, definitely going to be a uh, you know a team that Notre Dame's not used to facing. Uh, so again, you know if Notre Dame's not on their best game, Lake Charles Prep could definitely uh, provide another upset. But uh, Notre Dame probably has the tools to to get past them and into the next round, but uh, can't can't afford to look past them. Lastly, Hunter, give me some matchups that we haven't touched on yet that you're telling people to look out for. Oh, my gosh. Uh, man, definitely uh, all around the state. You know, Evangel and Edie White's going to be a, a matchup that I think people are going to be uh, interested in. You know, Evangel's on their way back up. They've struggled over the last few years. Edie White's trying to get back to a, uh, uh, a state championship game uh, up in northwest Louisiana. Uh, you're going to have, um, I'm sorry, uh, northwest Louisiana team, Captain Tree going down to take on Warren Easton down in New Orleans. Captain Shreve has struggled a little bit uh, as well with some injuries, but uh, I th- they have a, a really, a really good team, a really talented team. Maybe you know enough to upset the number one seed over there uh, in select uh, division uh, one select. And then um, you know looking around, Washtenaw Parish takes on Ruston again in a rematch of a district uh, of a district one five eight regular season bout, and then you have East Ascension going up to face Neville. That's going to be an interesting matchup just because Neville hasn't really played uh, or hasn't played in the last five playoffs in many years. Uh, and then, obviously, Sterlington and Union Parish, a rematch from last year's 3A state title game, and then West Monroe uh, in a rematch with Zachary from last year's, uh, I think it was a quarterfinal game. So, Matt, definitely a... Uh, a different looking bracket this year, a lot more interesting matchups in the earlier rounds. Uh, and it's only going to get tougher from here for some of these teams. They're not going to be able to afford to, uh, again, look past an opponent or take it easy for the first uh, couple of rounds. Uh, it's, the, it's where the real the real uh, big boys play uh, this year in these brackets. And uh, I'm excited. I think fans are going to be excited. It's going to be a good Superdome weekend, and I think, this year. So you're a fan of, of, of the new layout, right? Absolutely, I love it. Um, I think it's uh, more competitive. I think it's more level, uh, and I think you're going to get a lot more uh, interesting matchups and a lot better matchups uh, come Superdome time. Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com joining us for a conversation on the LHSAA playoffs. Hunter, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the weekend of high school football. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. You know, you you look at it, right, and we talked about Acadiana-Karen Crow. That's going to be such a great matchup. 
Southside, North Shore, Turlings, George Washington, Carver. He touched on West Monroe and Zachary. You, you've got tons of high school matchups that are just going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Katie Anna and Karen Crow will, of course, be on our airwaves. Katie Anna will be on MeTV 97.7, Karen Crow and Z1059, Southside on Mustang 107.1, and STM right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette. So if you were looking for high school football, I mean, there you go. There's there's plenty of matchups to uh, to dive into there. But we'll take a timeout here, and when we return, James and I will play cap or no cap here on a Thursday edition of Crunch Time. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, James. Time for cap or no cap. Basically, if you've ever seen a sports radio show play buy or sell, offsides or onsides, kind of a similar concept. Um, so I've got some NFL, college football, and just some off off the wall ones that we're going to go through. Uh, let's start with the NFL. James, even after starting three and six and having key injuries in their locker room, the Los Angeles Rams are still a playoff team. Uh, I don't think that's cap because you, even though Seattle is still, even though they had lost in Germany, I still think they're overall good. Um, I feel like we could see, well, now that I think about it, NFC East, unless they just absolutely fall apart, uh, that's going to be tough. Uh, I'm going to say no, especially since you're not going to have Cooper Cup for at least four weeks, if not the whole season. So, so this is going to be this is going to be new territory for Matthew Stafford, who ever since he's been in L.A., he's all he's ever known is Cooper Cup. So now that he doesn't have him, I wonder how the team will respond. So you don't think that the Rams are a playoff team? I have I have cap. Okay. All right. I'm I'm going to say cap as well. I, I don't think. They're going to be able to find their way out of a three and six hole uh, with without Cooper Cup, and especially if Matthew Stafford still playing the Saints would be the perfect remedy, though it would be because it, it, it always is, right? The, the Saints are just that team for for everybody, the the get right team, if you will. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't see how the Rams can can come back from that and end up in the playoffs, especially in that division. Um, so I'm going to say cap as well. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Both play football in 2023. I expect Rodgers to and shoot. Tom Brady's 2-0 and since he got divorced. I'm almost wondering if this is like his 10th leg. This is almost like his 10th life where he kind of he kind of he kind of gets another wind and he's and he's able no. to go a couple more years. So you, you think they're both back? I'll say yeah. I want to see how the I want to see how the rest of the season plays out for the Buccaneers, but I think the fact that you now won two in a row and it feels like you're building momentum, I think the Buccaneers can go on a hot streak, and then at that point, Tom will be like, "Well, why would I leave now?" The only way Rodgers is back is if it's on a different team. He does not return to Green Bay. 
in my opinion. Even after signing that massive extension? Yeah. I just they, So then the they, so then the so then the Packers will just eat up the dead cap. I mean, I I can't see that. It it's either it's either that or he retires. He's just going to retire. I mean, dude, they're horrible. They are. I think if you give horrible. I think if you give them another year or two and maybe they actually go pursue a legitimate wide receiver or one that's not washed, you'll be able to work with that and then you'll actually have another year to develop with Christian Watson and the Romeo Dobbs of the world while still having Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. I don't know. I don't think Rodgers comes back, so I'm calling I'm calling cap on that one. Um the Eagles even though they're they're now undefeated no more, they still go on to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. I believe so. I think they further cemented that by getting two interior defensive linemen in Linval Joseph and in Domican Sue. The yeah. fact that the fact that you further have a rotation of defensive linemen, you're forever gonna be getting pass rush and uh stuff in the run with your with your D linemen because they're always gonna be fresh. I'm going cap. You're going cap. I think the Vikings represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Ooh. Uh, I like what I've seen out of the Vikings. Dalvin Cook looks healthy. Justin Jefferson has been on a tear. You've got a good defense there. Yeah, I, I think I think the Vikings could, could run it and go to the Super Bowl. And we, we see a Vikings-Bills rematch in, in the Super Bowl. Is is just what I what I what I think is going to happen. So I'm calling cap on that one. Uh, let's go to the Saints now. Their next quarterback is a rookie. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because typically the Saints they don't draft QBs. If they draft the the only time that they drafted one in the first round was Archie Manning. Yeah. Every other time that they drafted a quarterback, it's always been in like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Just like maybe if Dennis Allen, which I presume he will stay, I think maybe they go in a – well, but then again, I'm going to say cap. Do you think they go get a vet? I think they end up going get another vet. Because if you are to move on from Dennis Allen, you drafting a rookie – and then moving on from Dennis Allen, and then the new coach is like, "Well, I don't want this one. I'm gonna say I want cap. a different. I want a different QB. I'm gonna say cap. Also, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is your starting quarterback next year. Oh, I think Jimmy G is your starting quarterback next year. Oh, it's better than what you got now. He's better than both of what you got now. It's about the same. I I disagree, but I, mean, I don't think Jimmy G is a world beater, but I think he's the perfect example of a bridge quarterback. So uh, I think that's who you go get. We'll, we'll see. Uh, and lastly, for the NFL, no first-year head coach gets fired at the end of the season. Hey, the Broncos really need to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, just think about it. Imagine if the Broncos were on averaging 18 points a game. They'd only have, like, two losses right now. Uh but do do you put blame entirely on Nathaniel Hackett for that though? I don't put it entirely on him, but I mean, did you, do you remember hearing that clip of him before the season started when they were like, "Do you think you really deserved it, or do you think you just somehow oh, he, got he, in?" He, he he thinks he just it just landed to him. It was like, yeah, no, I know. 
Jesus. Oh, I know. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna just go on a limb and say, yes, you fire somebody because if it's not Nathaniel Hackett, potentially it's Josh Daniels, Josh McDaniels. Oh, the Raiders aren't firing Josh McDaniels. Oh yeah, that's true because they're they're gonna hold on to him. They can't because they can't they can't, because a, of they can't afford to fire him. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, no, the only two first year head coaches I can see getting fired are either Hackett or Dennis Allen. I'm trying to think off top. How many first year coaches? Counting Lovey Smith. How many first year head coaches are there in the NFL? Yeah, right now. Right now? Because you're counting uh, Lovey Smith because yeah. this is his first year with a new team. Yeah, Lovey Smith. There's ten new coaches. Because you could see them move on potentially from Lovey Smith. There there's And 10. then you go draft somebody like uh Bryce Young with your new offensive minded head coach. So you got Lovey Smith, you got Matt Eberflus in Chicago. Ah yes, Matt Eberflus. Eberflus, I'm sorry. Uh Doug Peterson. In Jacksonville? Uh, he's going to stay there. Brian Dable? He's staying there for sure. Kevin O'Connell? Staying there. Mike McDaniel? So, oh, yeah, staying there. Nathaniel Hackett? I could see him mo- being moved. Dennis Allen? If they want to be smart. Josh McDaniels? And then Todd Bowles? Ah, oh, yes, Todd Bowles. That's right. That is a first-year head coach. So, I, I think somebody's getting fired. I feel like if somebody's going to get fired, I think it's Lovey. Somebody's getting fired. Because you're going to have a top two, three pick. Yeah. More likely than not if you're the Texans. So you go get a new offensive mind head coach. You move on from uh, Giraffe and Davis Mills. You go get a new QB. You now have Damian Pierce to work with. Uh, I don't know what you're going to do with Brandon Cooks. But you still have some other young receivers in uh, Chris Moore. Nico Collins. Nico Collins. And then John Mechie, who once he gets back. He'll be healthy, yeah. 337-706-0111 if you want to hit us up on the game hotline. All right, I got some college ones for you as well. Let's start with the storyline that is, you know, buzzing the college football world right now. Lane Kiffin will be the head coach at Ole Miss next year. Cap or no cap? Uh, No cap. You think he stays at Ole Miss? I think he stays. Wow. That's interesting. So in your opinion, you know, what's the what's the better job? Is it Ole Miss or is it Auburn? For Lane Kiffin or in general? Just in general. What's the better job? Mm, feel like you have a lot more pressure in Auburn. You have a lot more pressure in Auburn, but you also have more resources in Auburn. You're more likely to win in Auburn. That's interesting, because because uh, a lot of people there 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 have been varying answers to that question. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with he stays in Ole Miss because you've already implemented yourself there, and I don't think Auburn is that enticing of enough of a job for you to move on from Ole Miss to go to another SEC school, another SEC West school for that matter. Yeah. Um, so so to me, the fact yep. that you would jump ship like that whenever. Ole Miss doesn't really seem like the team to be like, yeah, you're or we're not too impressed. We're about to get rid of you. Like we don't we don't feel that right now. If it it would be pretty much Kiffin's uh, choice to do it. Right. So I, I think him just staying firmly in the ground of Ole Miss. It also helps that Ole Miss offered him a contract extension today that would make him one of the top ten highest paid coaches in college football. Yeah. Um. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, after starting three and seven, and being dead last in the SEC currently. Jimbo Fisher 
will be bought out and fired in College Station. Cap or no cap? I'm going no cap. That's so tough because... That man is out of there, and he knows it. That's so tough because, yes, it seems so easy to just get rid of him, but money talks so often. $86.5 million. It's his buyout. But hey, but I mean, they got the they still got the money oh, you to, got the to money. pay to pay another coach. So, I mean, if if they're really just tired of Jimbo shenanigans, then that that oil they got the money. And the 80, 86 mil is just another that's number. A, that, yeah, that's another drop in the bucket for A and M. So, I, I'm going. You're, you're still going to be working with the recruit recruiting class that I'm going, Jimbo got you. I'm going no cap, and Jimbo's out of there. Um, I'll lean towards no cap. USC. Is a playoff team in 2023. Cap or no cap? So, I think Georgia's going to beat LSU in the SEC championship. So, they stay in. I think Tennessee gets in. Uh, No, 2023. Next year. Oh, and and next year. Next year. USC's a playoff team next year. Do you believe they could be? Or? I think Tennessee takes a step back. Curious to see what Alabama's looking like. I think they'll be back to normal. I think LSU could be, depending on what happens with them, they could be riding pretty high and getting there as well. Uh, I think they want to. I think I think USC gets in there. I think yep. Lincoln Riley gets in there. I, I, th- I think they find a way in next year. Um, they're they're going to be way too talented, and and Lincoln Riley's just such a good coach that I'm I'm going to say no cap on they're that. Gi- one. They're giving them all the tools to succeed. Right. So if if he just can't do it, then. All right, so I already know what your answer is going to be to this one after what you just said. The dynasty that is the Alabama Crimson Tide is over. I think it – how would you define that? Because I still think that Alabama within these next five years can still win – can squeeze okay. out one more championship. The Nick Saban retires before Bama wins another national championship. Cap or no cap? Saban retires? Right, before they can win another national title. I say cap. You think they win another one before he walks? I think I think he gets one more out of there before he, before he gets out of there. Um, because as old as he is, I feel like this bad of a season, that's a that's a chip on the shoulder and almost like rejuvenates him almost. I think he comes back for one more year, and you think and gets it and if, then gets out. It will if it's anything like it was this year. I think he's done, and then it, I I think I I I'll rephrase that either way. I think he, I think he's done. They make the playoff, and you know they they put up a respectable fight and just fall a little bit short. I think he's okay with that. Um, if it's anything like this year, I think he's gone. So, regardless of what happens, I think next year is Saban's last year. So, uh, I'm I'm gonna we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. And then the last one for college football: Walker Howard is the starting quarterback in Baton Rouge in 2023. Cap or no cap? That makes things really interesting. Because if Jaden Daniels keeps on this run, who's to say he doesn't go? Who's to say he doesn't turn draft eligible? Correct. Jaden Daniels may not be back in Baton Rouge next year. Who's to say he doesn't return? I mean, that's I fair. Think, I think whether... Okay, so so let me, let me reword the question. Because if Jaden Daniels does not return... 
Walker Howard as the starting quarterback in Baton Rouge in 2023. No cap. Yeah. Because to me, whether Jaden Daniels returns or not, I think Garrett Nussmeyer is the odd man out, and I think he transfers before this. I, as, as he should. I, I said Garrett Nussmeyer should have transferred. Last year. At, this past offseason, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. I was like, I don't know why you're still here. Um, so, yeah, Walker Howard, starting quarterback at LSU in 2023. No cap. All right, now here's here's the two off-the-wall holiday ones. Christmas is the best holiday of the year, cap or no cap? I think no cap with that one. Yeah, Christmas is the best time of the year. It is absolutely the best time of the year. And then, with Thanksgiving being next week, uh-huh. the sides are better than the ham or the turkey. Correct. Cap, cap. or no cap? No cap. I've always, I'm, as much as I like to put a bunch of protein in whatever I'm making, man, just I, I love loading up my plate with mashed potatoes and gravy, green bean casserole, green bean casserole stuffing. Like it, it oh, it's man. a it's a lot easier to eat, to eat a bunch of sides than it is protein. Look, I like turkey. I'm not against turkey. I don't eat it. Give me some ham, chicken, chicken. We we do all three. We do ham, chicken, chicken. And turkey. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, but never... but on my dad's side, you know, what we did one year instead of a traditional Thanksgiving, we went with uh, kind of going around the world. So each member of the family chose a very popular dish from a different country, a different region of the world, and they brought that. Hmm. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it was, it was a really fun chicken. concept. Yeah, from my mom's side, chicken. That's Ch- so strange. Chicken, turkey, and ham. I've never heard of anybody cooking a chicken on Thanksgiving. That's so strange. Well, they don't really cook it. Just It's just kind of cold. It's the same thing with the ham. They don't cook the ham. Yeah. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Like, it's already pre-cooked, but when you take it out, it's like it's it's not like it's a steaming hot out, so, out the So oven. you don't heat it up? I don't. I don't recall it being ever oh too my. too warm. Oh man! Okay. Uh, people people are able to heat it up if they want to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, look, I, I'm not a judgmental person, so you know, you it, whatever the mesh household. Hey man, like um, I said, like I said, that's my mom's side. That's that that's all on y'all, bro. If you're looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up today. When we return to crunch time, we will preview tonight's Thursday night football game, and we will hear from Tyron Matthew as he met with the media as well for the New Orleans Saints. We'll do that next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. No, I worked on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. 
Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wow, love it. And his acoustic group are coming back to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February the 24th. And you will not want to miss this incredible night of live music. Presale tickets go on sale today. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and use the presale code Lyle. Once again, presale tickets on sale today to see Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group at the Hyman Performing Arts Center. Visit Ticketmaster.com and use the presale code Lyle. L Y L E. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 43, almost 44 after the hour here on this Thursday edition. James, let's preview Thursday night football tonight. The Titans and the Packers are going to be in the frozen tundra of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Currently 31 degrees in Green Bay with some snow showers. I mean, this just plays right into the Packers going to 5-6. and six. It plays into both teams, really, in my eyes. Since they're, they're both looking to run the ball at this point, so if it's going to be cold and maybe a little bit of snow, well then I don't think either team is going to pass all that much. Well no, but I just I th- I think the I think the reason that I think that the Packers are going to go to 5 and 6 is because they're, they're more, more equipped used to, to playing in the cold weather than than the Titans are. Uh but I do agree that you know scheme-wise that this game plays into both teams. Who's going to be able to run the ball better? Um you know, it, it it's interesting. You look at the comparison. Both teams are averaging about the same points per game. Green Bay's giving up a little bit more, but Green Bay's also getting more yards than and allowing less than the Titans are. So the the question for the Packers is going to be Aaron Rodgers and his re- receivers. You know who who steps up and makes plays down the back stretch. Romeo Dobbs is out. Can Christian Watson have another big game like he did last week? Can Sammy Watkins do something. Can Robert Tunyon have a, a decent game? Maybe Randall Cobb comes comes out of, out of the dead. I don't know. Um, the Packers are just going to have to find a way to start to string wins together here, sitting at four and six, um, because I mean you look up and the Vikings are four games ahead of you. This is also a must-win game for Green Bay because not only is Detroit on a two-game winning streak, but the Bears actually look competent enough of a football team, and then the Vikings are eight and one. Not yeah, eight and one because they have the bye week seven. So the fact that you're either you you have to keep up with the Vikings before potentially the Lions or the Bears kind of suck you back into into the lower level of the division. Yep. How important is it that David Bakhtiari is now active tonight for the Packers? I think it's really big because he he's kind of like a leading guy for them when it comes to the running game. You lean on him a lot. So having him kind of go out there in space and get some blocks on some linebackers or some corners or some safeties on like some pitches or some outside zone runs, that would that would really help. Uh, open up some lanes for both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Who wins tonight? I'm going to go with Green Bay. I think it, it matters a little bit more because uh, this this almost feels like we could see a replica almost 
of what happened in 2020. I don't think it's going to be like that much of a blowout where it was, what, 30 points last time Tennessee went to go visit Green Bay in 2020. So I think it's going to be a lot closer. I'm going to take the under because you because the under is at 40 and a half, correct? Yeah. Because I see this being like a 24-13 game. So th- this is what I need. Okay. So the, they have correct score wagers. and Yeah, didn't you I, bet on like five different scores? So I bet on five different, well, technically four, because one of them I, I, I actually you, bet you on twice. twice. So hopefully that one hits. I need the Packers to win 28-17 to 17 is what I need to happen. Doesn't that go against your parlay because you had the under on 40 and a half? Oh, I didn't make that parlay. Oh, you, you decided not to? I didn't make to? that parlay. Oh, yeah. okay. No, I went against it. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I need I need the final score to be 28-17 in favor of the Packers. Because uh, let's let's just say my wife would be very happy with me if that if that happens. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, football gods, whoever, 28-17, Green Bay tonight, please, for the love of all that is good. Um, Tyron Matthew met with the media earlier this week, and he was asked that so far on the season is two interceptions disappointing. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously for me, I think personally, you know, I figure I have, you know, a few more than that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I feel like I left a few out there too. Um, Seattle game, you know, the Ravens game, that whole shot. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the more turnovers you could create, um, you know, you usually kind of help your team, you know, win games. So, you know, I think defensively, you know, we just haven't done that at all. Yeah, this team's really struggled to, to create turnovers uh, against their opposition. And, you know, obviously not being able to create turnovers can, can help lead to a 3-7 a and seven record. But shockingly, this team is still, according to Tyron Matthew, he was asked, why is this team so calm even with their 3-7 and seven record? Yeah, uh, I think mostly is, you know, I think we understand that, you know, we do have a talented team. Um, you know, I think sometimes the, the ball just doesn't bounce your way. Um, but I think spiritually, you know, I think we have enough, uh, you know, good guys in the locker room where, you know, um, you know we're not necessarily moping around. Uh, we're just trying to find a way how can we, you know, get a win. Your Alexa or Google Home speaker can help you out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and much more. But did you know that it could also play the game? Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. Do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We'll take a timeout, bring you the college basketball scoreboard for tonight with our local teams, and we'll get you on your way to your Thursday evening right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Both Louisiana and LSU have home games tonight in the college basketball world. The LSU Fighting Tigers will host the UNO Privateers at the PMAC. LSU with a 2-0 start to the season while UNO is 1-1. That game is at 7 o'clock. 
Meanwhile, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will be at the Cajun Dome tonight to host Louisiana Tech, and what's always a, a great basketball game in that one. Louisiana at three and zero, while Louisiana Tech is sitting at one and one. We will recap both of those games tomorrow, as well as the Thursday night football game. We'll also preview some high school football matchups, and we'll always do Jake's takes, bring you our picks for the weekend. And we'll also have a conversation tomorrow about the 2022 FIFA World Cup that begins on Sunday in Qatar. We will have a a guest come and bring his soccer expertise into that one. So tomorrow is an episode of Crunch Time that you do not want to miss. Once again, Thursday Night Football on our airwaves tonight, Titans and Packers at 7.15 we will come back, like I said, tomorrow, recap that and so much more. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest for today, Evan Dudley of AL.com, for a conversation about the UAB Blazers as they will be in Death Valley to take on the Fighting Tigers of LSU Saturday night with an 8 o'clock kickoff. Pre-game is at 6, and you can catch it on our airways on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Also want to thank Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com for joining us for a conversation about the high school state playoffs. That's going to about do it for today's edition of Crunch Time. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Say some prayers for James. He's, he's looking a little rough today. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same station right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We will be back again tomorrow, 4-6, to six, right here on The Game.